Hey again. Long time no see. What's up, Everlast? How's it going? Hey, can we give God glory for, uh, for, for Jeremy, Savannah, and Israel leading us in worship? Such a Amen. sweet time. Gosh, so thankful. Thank you guys so much for leading us. Amen. Well, it's so good to see everybody. So good to see you guys. If you're new here, uh, like I shared earlier, my name is Kev. By God's grace, I get to be uh, the young adult pastor here at Calvary Worship Center. And this is my wife. Tina. Tina. Hi. And she's our, uh, she's our young adult, uh, young adult uh, coordinator. And uh, as you can see, we're doing something a little bit different tonight. Uh, we're going to be both teaching together. Yeah. Super stoked. Uh, we, should give, we should do some knucks. Oh, yeah, knuckles. Air knucks. I can't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we haven't done this since last year, uh, but we're super excited to finish off this series, Love Routes, as we talk through marriage. And uh, throughout this series, we've hit on singleness, dating, engagement, and if you've missed any of those messages, we would just encourage you, head to our podcast. Uh, we believe that would be a really beneficial thing for you. And so tonight, we will be spending most of our time in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, so go ahead, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5. If you need a Bible, by the way, we do have some in the back uh, that you can uh, grab and utilize too. That back one right back there. So I've got some Bibles if you need them. Well, with that being said, as you're turning there, remember, Ephesians 5, we're spending the, the majority of our time there, Ephesians 5, like my wife just said. Uh, but as you're turning there, uh, can we pray again together? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, God. We thank you for your grace towards us. God, we're just so thankful for what you're doing here at Everlast, our young adult ministry here, Lord, and our, and our, our church as a whole here at Calvary Worship Center. God, I want to thank you for every person here. God, I'm asking that you'd help us tonight, that we would listen well to you. We would truly be like our sister Savannah prayed a few moments ago, that we would be attentive and, and, and receptive to what you want to teach us. Help us to surrender all of our thoughts and our affections to you tonight. And now Everlast. We want to encourage you to pray for your own heart. Just take a few seconds just to pray this. Say, God, would you speak to me tonight? And now we would encourage you just to pray that same prayer for the person on your left and right. Say, God, would you speak to them tonight? And lastly, we would kindly ask that you would please uh, pray for us. You pray for Tina and I, that God would use us to make things clear and helpful. Well, Father, please speak to us now. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we want to start off and propose a question tonight, and that question is, when we say the word marriage, what words or phrases come to mind? Maybe for you in the room, words like hard work come to mind, right? Marriage takes a lot of work. Maybe uh, for you, words like exciting come to mind. Right? Maybe you are engaged in the room and you are excited for this next season of life. Uh, maybe words like awesome, love come to mind. Uh, or maybe words uh, for you come to mind like broken. Uh, you've experienced 
and seen brokenness in marriages, whether that's uh, family members or yourself. Uh, Maybe words like heartache come to mind, whether uh, that uh, was someone sent against you in marriage and you experienced heartache. Um, Or maybe uh, the word discouraged comes to mind, maybe because you desire to be married, but the Lord hasn't answered that prayer yet, right? So it's uh, when you think of marriage, you think of the word discouraging. And those are just a few words that come to mind or may come to mind for you when you think of the word marriage. Right. But as a whole, it is important that we look to God's word to associate what words should come to mind when it comes to marriage. That's right. And there are three words when it comes to marriage that we believe should be associated when you think of the word marriage. Right. That's right. And those three words, Everlast, we're going to be on the screen for you. Those three words are this. Ready? One, covenant. Take your notes, write that down, covenant. Two, roles. That is submission and sacrifice. All right, and the third word is mission. Mission. So to begin, let's, let's start with our first word uh, and what we think about when, when it comes to marriage. All right, covenant. Covenant. Can we say that together? Can you say covenant? Covenant. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32. So we asked you to go to Ephesians 5 a few moments ago, but if you go to uh, verses 31, 32, we're going to kind of start there. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Everlast, what these verses are saying is that the purpose of marriage is patterned after Christ's pursuit and love of his church and the covenant that he made with her. So what does that mean? Well, simply put, Christ thought of himself as the bridegroom and we followers of Christ are his bride. Matthew chapter 9 verse 15 um, actually confirms this when it says, it says, And Jesus said to them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall shall they uh, they fast. Okay, so y'all, here Jesus is referring to himself as the bridegroom. Check it out. A bridegroom is a man just married or just about to be married. A bride, which is a woman who is just married or just about to be married. The word bridegroom appears in the Bible in both Testaments, and it carries the same meaning, the husband of the bride, okay? So, the purpose, Everlast, of marriage is to reflect the ultimate marriage between Christ and the church, that he willingly gave himself up for her. This is what Paul is referring to when he says that marriage is a great mystery. In Ephesians 5.32, we just read it. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Y'all, Christ obtained the church by his blood and formed a new covenant with her, an unbreakable marriage. And when Christ, our bridegroom, died on the cross for our sins, he made a covenant with us. His bride, the bride. Check it out, a couple of verses on the screen for you. 
Um, Luke chapter 22, verse 20 says, This cup is poured out for you is uh, the new covenant in my blood. Romans chapter 11, verse 27 says this, And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Hallelujah, right? And for those, listen, who place their faith in Christ, they are bought and purchased with his own blood. It's God's pledge to forgive the sins of his people. It's a promise to those who have placed their faith in him. So as you can see, earthly marriage, everlasting, earthly marriages, earthly marriages, y'all, are <laughs> they're just a shadow of a broader reality. And honestly, they're a, a faint picture of an even more beautiful truth. To display, that is, the ultimate marriage between Christ and the church. Amen. And everlasting, this is huge because obviously in the culture we live in today, marriage is often viewed and painted as this Hollywood love, right. right? When things get hard or you no longer have feelings for that person or you quote unquote fell out of love, then you can give up, call it quits, no big deal. Right. But what the word of God is saying is that marriage is not about us. It is about God. It is about the display of God's covenant, keeping grace and promise towards sinners like you and me. Right. God will never leave us or forsake us. Marriage is all about God. That's right, amen. And marriage was designed by God for the display of God. And, and honestly, Everlast, that is what makes uh, divorce so devastating. Hmm. It's not just that divorce is devastating because, yes, it's, it's a heartbreaking thing. Right. And all of the ramifications that are connected to it. It's that in God's eyes, it involves misrepresenting Christ and his covenant. Because Christ will never leave his bride, us, the church, ever. Amen. There, are, there may be uh, times of uh, painful distance and sinful backsliding on our part. But Christ keeps his covenant forever, and marriage is a display of that. Um, Kevin and I attended a wedding in Texas several years back, and the couple decided to write their own vows. Right. And so they shared them with one another, obviously, um, in front of their friends and family. And so in both of their vows, they said, before God, before our family, before our friends, we are making this promise to one another that no matter what, we are committed to staying in this marriage. Hmm. Then they go on to say, quote, God, would you kill us before we would get a divorce? <laughs> and I remember looking over at you, yeah, and whoa. my eyes got big, and I was like, <laughs> man, that's a little intense, sure. right? That seems a little extreme to ask God to kill you. But what they understood was the seriousness of yeah. marriage Come on. and the covenant they were making to each other to display the ultimate covenant between Christ and his people, his followers, his church, his bride. Amen, babe. I, uh, I really do remember that. I freaked out. I was like, hey. hey. Yeah. We were engaged at that point. Yeah, we so were we were like, are we supposed to do that? But, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it also, it also reminds me of... Um, uh, it makes me think of, what it makes me think of is, is this. You know, Everlast, by God's grace, um, Tina and I have done premarital counseling for many years now. And mm -hmm. we've walked with dozens and dozens of couples. And uh, there was one couple 
um, that was also able to grasp um, really well the purpose of marriage. What this particular couple grasped, um, and also they added in their vows at their ceremony was this. This is what they said in their ceremony. They said, marriage isn't about our pursuit of happiness. It's about our pursuit of holiness. Marriage isn't about our pursuit of happiness. It's about our pursuit of holiness. And everlasting, if you, if you think, if you're sitting here tonight thinking that the overall purpose of marriage is to bring you happiness, I would kindly say that you are wrong. <laughs> um, Amen. <laughs> right. Check it out. If, if your pursuit is happiness, well, then I would say that that actually reflects a contract. Like a person contracted with their cell phone provider, you know, if, if the party, you know, you con you're contracted with isn't making you happy, well, then you can just simply terminate the contract. If you're pursuing holiness, I would then say you're reflecting a covenant. So if that same party doesn't make you happy, well, you still remain committed. <laughs> and can I just quickly line up some differences between a contract and a covenant for you? They're all on the screen for you. I'm going to read it slowly, so if you're taking notes, you can, or you can get your phone out. And <laughs> all right, so a contract seeks what it can get. A covenant seeks what it can give. The courts enforce contracts. Character enforces a covenant. A contract calls for the signing of names. A covenant calls for the binding of hearts. A contract is based on performance. A covenant is based on love. A contract is based, I'm so sorry, let me say, uh, uh, a contract is valid, rather. A contract is valid until the agreement is broken. A covenant is valid until death. You know, I heard it once said, it's not the love that sustains the promise. It's the promise that sustains love. I also really love how my bro, C.S. Lewis, said it. <laughs> he, he said, love as distinct from being, quote-unquote, being in love, is not merely a feeling. It is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habit reinforced by the grace which both partners ask and receive from God. They can have this love for each other even at those moments when they don't like each other, as you love yourself even when you don't like yourself. Amen. And Everlast, marriage at the end of the day is about keeping covenant. It is designed by God for the display of God. Come on, amen. When you think of the word marriage, you should all, it should always be associated with the word covenant. Secondly, 
when you think of the word marriage, another word uh, that we think you should think of is roles. Roles, that's right. And here's what we mean by that. What are the specific God-given roles in a marriage? Because God has specifically designed marriage to operate with each spouse carrying out a different role. That's right. Wives are called to submit. Husbands are called to sacrifice. And we're going to talk through each of these. So let's start with the role of the wife. Ephesians 5, through 24 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, I just want to address the elephant in the room. Uh, I want to address the tension that can take place when reading this verse, uh, which is the word submit. When most of us hear the word submit, uh, our first response isn't, love it, can't wait to submit, right? Sounds awesome. Let's do this thing. Who wants to submit with me, right? No, no one does that. That the word submit is not a fun word. Uh, In fact, it's a challenging word to most of us. It's a controversial word to many of us in the room, and it's a word that brings a lot of confusion and frustration. And there's a reason for that. Uh, Kevin and I, like you mentioned earlier, do a lot of premarital counseling. And when we get to the roles section or the topic of biblical roles within marriage, we often pause and spend a good chunk of time talking through the word submit. And when we ask, hey, can you define for us what you think the word submit means? Usually, if not always, the response is associated with negativity, abuse, being mistreated, being dominated or controlled over. When in reality, Everlast, God is good and he intended for this word to be good. We just don't have the right understanding of this word. Whether that is because we have experienced this word being misused or we've allowed culture and society to influence this word negatively. Negatively. Negatively, thank you. This is why I'm glad he's up here with me. Or, uh, really, uh, we just don't know what God means when he uses the word submit in this particular verse. And let me just say uh, what this word does not mean. One, submit does not mean subjugate. Meaning, one person is controlled, dominated, and mastered over. That one human gets to subjugate another. That that is not biblical. Uh, and is a wrong view, an incorrect definition of submit. Two, submit does not mean servitude. Which, real quick, by the way, um, Jesus said submit does not mean servitude. Mm-hmm. Don't get, everlasting, don't get servitude mixed up um, with serving. Servitude, by definition, has a negative connotation, which means that you are subject to someone more powerful. Exactly. It it does not mean that I now become Kevin's maid. Wouldn't happen. Uh, It doesn't mean that I become less than or that I'm second place to Kevin. Kevin and I are, in fact, equal. And Scripture affirms this when it says we are co-heirs with Christ, Romans 8, 17. Or Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are equal. 
Now, let me just clarify this. Because equality does not mean sameness. And here's what I mean by that. Men and women are different. God created us differently. We have different strengths, different abilities, different bodies, and we were created with different roles. We are equal, but we aren't created the same. We are equal, but we are also different. In the radical view, or sometimes the world view, that, uh, is that women are equal to men in the sense that women are the same as men. And that's just not true. God created male and female differently. And listen, that is a good thing. And so we want to talk through what does that word submit really mean then? What did God intend for it to mean? And here's the definition for that word submit. Submission is the definition, is the defined calling of a wife to honor, receive, and affirm her husband's leadership. Which means two things. One, that it is a unique role within marriage. Going back to Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. It doesn't say all women submit to all men. This is specifically for the role of a wife to a husband. Right. And listen, man, super important what I'm about to say real quick. If you're a girlfriend in the room, like if you're in a relationship and you are a girlfriend, please listen to me. You should not submit to your boyfriend. That's unbiblical. And if you're a boyfriend in the room, you are not her leader. You are not her leader. Don't abuse that. Don't misconstrue that. Now, it's okay to consider each other. Absolutely. Amen. But specifically towards even the girlfriends, you, you should, uh, should not submit. Yeah. Um, submission in this context is specifically talking about a woman entering into the covenant of marriage, and therefore a wife is now taking on a new and different role. Right. Two, the definition of submit means that I'm receiving, following, and affirming my husband's leadership. Ladies, let me just say this, and I'll actually speak on behalf of Kevin as well, we can't emphasize enough who you marry matters. You want someone who you are happy to follow, who you will gladly receive from, and who you are grateful to affirm his leadership. And listen, it's going to be a lot easier to follow your groom when he is following the groom, Jesus. You want someone who's going to initiate and pursue, who allows you to follow Ladies, you do not want someone who is passive. You you want someone who's going to lead, someone who's going to take initiative. You you want to follow a good leader. That's right. That's right. And and can I just give a a, a quick example? Ladies, you want a a guy who when he asks you out on a date and you get in the car, like he gives you options. Like this is what you want to look for. Like like the, the dude says, hey, hey, I wasn't really sure what you were feeling tonight, but, but I made dinner, dinner reservations for, for two places, two different places, and, I, you know, I just wanted to know what you think. You know, you, at the end of the day, you don't want to date someone who, when you get in the car, says, uh, what do you want to do? <laughs> you know, like, that. that's, that's not, it's not what you want, okay? I'd say, I um, want to go back inside. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Uh, you want someone who's, who is going to lead, but also include you in on those Amen. things. And, you know, that's a good leader. Yeah, and that's a leader you want to follow, right? It's a choice to submit. And that choice to submit sure is easier when you have someone who leads well. And as a wife, when you submit to your husband, it actually is reflecting a heart that is worship unto God. 
a wife submitting to her husband is honestly this beautiful dance as he leads and she follows is again displaying uh, of the church submitting to Christ as Christ laid down his life for her, she willingly submits. All right, so uh, which leads to the men. Uh, guys, listen. When you think of roles in marriage, that's that second word we're on, right? Roles. Here's the word I want you to think of. Sacrifice. Write it down, jot it down. Sacrifice. And y'all, y'all better get ready tonight because, listen, there's, there's much more to say for the, for the men than the women. Not because we're better. And it's not, uh, it's not because of that. It's because uh, God in his providence has placed us as leader, as husbands. And a leader is held at a high standard, <laughs> uh, one that is, should be above reproach. Uh, we're we're going to read a big chunk of this passage, okay? So uh, Ephesians 5, please turn there. Ephesians 5, uh, I think it may be on the, all on the screen, right? Uh, Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 32. Here we go, let's read it. Husbands, love your wives, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Verse 30, because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Okay, so Tina said it a few moments ago that wives are called to submit and husbands are called to sacrifice. A husband is called to sacrifice so the wife can be fully who she is meant to be under God. End of the day, sacrifice means that. It's quite simple, but you need to know it in your bones. Men are called to love. Men are called to love. You know, I heard it once said, A woman loved by her husband will grow in loveliness. A man respected by his wife will become more respectable. When you study, listen, and really think about what Paul is saying in Ephesians 5, what we just read, we are actually, check it out, we are actually told to do things we might not do unless we were told. For example, children are told to obey their parents because it is easy for children not to do so. Any parents in the room, can I get an Amen. Amen, right? No. Paul actually writes that in, he actually writes this in the next chapter. Ephesians 6, he, he writes that. Okay, so in the same way, husbands are told to love their wives because it is easy for husbands not to do so. We are called to do things that might not occur to us. Okay, so check it out. Agape love um, which is the kind of love that Paul is describing in Ephesians 5, verse 25. Agape love is always shown by what it does. God's love is displayed most clearly to us 
at the cross. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, all right? I think it's on the screen. God being rich in mercy because of the great what? Love with which he what? Loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Okay, so check it out, y'all. The Greek word agape is often translated love in the New Testament. How, okay, so how is agape love, though, different from other types of love? The essence, everlast, the essence of agape love is goodwill, benevolence, um, and willful, I love this, willful delight in the object of love. Unlike our English word love, agape is not used actually in the New Testament to refer to um, romantic or sexual love. Nor does it refer to like close friendship or brotherly love, for which the Greek word phileia is used. Agape love involves faithfulness, commitment, and an act of the will. Unfortunately, what men are more naturally inclined to do is a sacrifice for themselves. Men are quicker to honor themselves and not God. And this is what the Bible calls sin. Sin equals honoring and valuing anything above God. And the Bible says that we are dead in our sins, enslaved to our sin and condemned by our sin. Our hearts are so, y'all, our hearts are so bent away from God. The inner self will always choose our way. And that, y'all, that is so offensive to our God that he gives our sin the death penalty. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Not, but y'all, not just temporal or physical death, but also eternal and, and, and spiritual. That, y'all need, that's our condition before God. So what's the remedy? Well, God came. He wrapped, y'all, he wrapped on human flesh. He lived a sinless life. He perfectly lived out the command of God. He climbed on a cross as the, I love this, the sinless substitute. Satisfying the wrath and justice of God, he rose from the dead as the sinless Savior, demonstrating the power of God over sin, death, and Satan. And now he rules as our sinless Savior so that all who have faith in him will be reconciled to God forever. That's that's what Paul meant when he said Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is what husbands are called to do. But check it out, y'all. Not, 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 we don't sacrifice like just, just in big grandeur moments. I would honestly say, Everlast, that sacrifice for your wife is in 10,000 many moments throughout your marriage that, that proves yourself a man. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to interject. So I'm just going to give you an example of what this looks like. And by the way, we're not up here like, look at our marriage idol after us like obviously we are going to the word of god and we want you to look to the word of god but definitely have not arrived that by any means (laughs) amen but uh in regards to many moments we just want to give you an example so uh last night really early this morning uh, it was like 4 a.m and i woke up and had one of those uh uh-oh moments which some of you can probably relate but it was like the uh uh-oh i'm in serious pain i can't move my neck like 
this isn't going to be good. So it's 4 a.m., and I'm like, Kevin, Kevin. And uh, he wakes up, and I tell him what's going on. And Kevin runs downstairs, uh, grabs Tylenol, water, and this, like, roll-on stick that's supposed to numb, but it doesn't. But he still grabbed it. And uh, what I love about that is some of you may be like, oh, well, you would expect him to do that because he's your husband. Or, oh, that seems really small. But, again, it's still a mini moment, right? It's still a sacrifice. He could have easily pretended to be asleep um, or, you know, said, hey, babe, you're fine. Get over it. Let's go back to bed, right? Um, Which would, you know, we would not be married. But it's those many moments, right? Because, listen, if you have a leader, a husband who is willing to sacrifice his sleep or whatever in the many moments, you have a husband who is then going to sacrifice in the big moments, and so thank you for, um, you know, you responded well, because now I get to use you as an analogy, and it worked out well. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord. You are welcome. I love you very much. Um, by the way, uh, many moments are great. Yeah, faith without works is dead. But, man, can I just say this? Men, pray, 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 pray for your wives. Amen. Pray. It's so important. Cool. Tylenol helps, but Tylenol clearly, antihistamine will <laughs> dissolve and be gone in a few hours, and you have to take some more, maybe. Uh, but prayer is eternal. Prayer is powerful. Pray for your wives. And that also reminds me of something that we talk about often uh, is we call it a love tank. You all know the five love languages? You've heard of them? Five love languages, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. And these are, you know, kind of the predominant five ways that oneself gives and receives love. In marriage, whatever your spouse's love tank is, you want to be intentional in filling it up. Example, I know that my wife, Tina, is uh, geared towards quality time. She feels loved and appreciated when, she, when I spend time with her. So every, so often, you know, I will check in. Literally, it's, it's cheesy, but we do it. It works. Um, it's great. I'll say, hey, how's your tank? Empty? Is it on a quarter tank? Halfway? Where are you at? Full. Yeah. No. <laughs> and that's what you want to look for. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, and By the was... way, if it's like on a quarter tank, it's like, okay, she's got a little more. I don't, okay, I don't have to spend quality time with her. She's get, right. No, 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 no. That's, right. that's not the goal. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, <laughs> And listen, obviously that goes for uh, me as well. It goes for the wives. And, and I'll just say this. That doesn't mean that that's always easy. Right. Um, Kevin and I, when we went through premarital, when we were engaged, we took the test to see where each other scored on these love languages. My number one was quality time. Kevin's lowest was quality time. His number one was words of affirmation. My lowest was words of affirmation. And they were like, y'all have a lot of work <laughs> to do. To do. And, uh, oh, man, but what I, awesome. love, what I love about that is um, how we receive and give love was completely different. Obviously, over time in marriage, um, those, have, those have increased. Right. Um, but the point is, because we are wired differently, one, that's totally fine and okay. But it also means that sometimes you have to put in harder work. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It takes intentionality and it takes initiation. Right, which, which amen, which, which leads to my, I would say, fellas, my main point under the word sacrifice, you know, in, in our role for being a husband, listen, uh, yeah, I'm about to make it, but dudes, you've got two choices. 
You, you literally have, you have two choices. That's it. When it comes to being a husband. You can press in or you can pull back. You can press in or you can pull back. Well, what does it mean to press in? Easy. Initiate. Initiate. What do we initiate? Easy. Everything. Everything. Before I shared, this doesn't mean that girls don't ever initiate. But I would contend that husbands should more so initiate. A lot of different things we could talk about there. But I'm just going to give you a couple of primary things husbands need to initiate on. One, initiate romance. Initiate it. When I was single, I would hear all the time from my Christian brothers who were married. You know, they would, you know, sermons I would hear, date your wife, date your wife. And I was like, duh. I was like, of course I'm going to date my wife. What? And then you get married. You come home, you come home from a long, difficult day, working with difficult people. And your wife wants to go out or hang out or talk. And after a while, dating your wife isn't as easy or necessarily something you want to do as your single self thought your married self would do. But here's the thing, y'all. I would legitimately say this is what love is like. Love is like fire. I think it's on the screen for you. Real simple. Love is like fire. Write it down. Everlast. Fire fades. Fire fades. But fire only fades because you didn't stoke or stalk the flame. It's simple. Y'all, I've heard, I've, we've heard many times, different couples, folks that are married or whatever, couples that are just like dating or whatever. We've heard many different times, oh man, Kev, we just, we, we just fell out of love. We just fell out of love. And can I, pardon my French, but I'm just going to say, y'all, that's a bunch of crap. That, 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 is, that is literally like saying, I fell out of shape. You didn't fall out of shape. That's not, you, no, you chose to eat more pizza and to not put in the sweat equity and hard work that it takes to stay in shape. I'm just, you know, it, it, that's, that seems harsh. Um, it's the truth. It, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I say it kind of in a jokingly way, but that's just true. Again, love is like a fire. It, it, it fades because you didn't stoke it or stalk it. Um, and so a way to stock it, a way to stoke it, listen, when you're married, go on consistent dates. Go on consistent dates. Schedule them as well as be spontaneous. Um, commit to them. Commit to them. Don't schedule something and, and back out in any form or fashion. Um, you know, obviously there's grace there and stuff like that, but man, commit to them. And also... Don't pick a restaurant with a lot of TVs in him. Like, that's something we do. We are overly, you know, overly uh, uh, stimulated in our culture. And with that being said, can I say this? Seriously, dudes, get in the habit. Some of y'all are glued to your phone way too much. We all are, for that matter. I think we can all testify and say, yeah, that, that's, that's what we're up against. We're constantly glued. We're constantly pulled to our phones. When you're dating, your, especially your wife, turn off your freaking phone. Or at least put it away. Hear me. This is, this is great advice. Please hear me when I say that. And that goes for obviously both husband and wife. 
I can't tell you those moments when I, you know, I, I'm just telling you when you when you when I look at my wife in her eyes and she's saying something, I say, "Oh, sorry to interrupt, sweetheart. Pull up my phone, power off." And I look at her. Okay, I'm I'm all ears. You know what comes on in the background? Marvin Gaye. Like like you know, I'm just totally kidding. He's not sticking to the script. Just so <laughs> you all know. No, I'm just saying, y'all. That that's a great way to uh, even specifically within marriage. Uh, uh, initiate and specifically even in that romance to, to, to connect to press in and to connect with your spouse uh, second primary thing to initiate is this it, it, uh, is in conglomeration with it initiate communication fellas that's your job that is your job that is your job initiate communication also by the way quick side note never ever never go to bed angry stay up and fight you may have some sleepless nights, but I, I tell you what, it will sure lead to some peaceful days. Amen. And uh, which also leads to a very big component when it comes to marriage, and that is forgiveness. And this is huge because you aren't always going to want to forgive, right? You aren't always going to feel like forgiving the other person. Uh, there have been many moments in our marriage where uh, we have wanted to stay mad instead of moving on. Uh, but Paul says in Colossians 3.13, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Amen. We are to take the grace and forgiveness that we have received vertically because of Jesus and then give grace horizontally to others, especially your spouse. Amen. And something else we mentioned a moment ago, but when I said pray, 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 <laughs> pray before you go to bed. Yeah. Um, I think that that's something super practical uh, that is very important. Um, uh, and, and um, this is something that I'll confess to you guys that um, I definitely need to work on. It's obviously easy to roll over and go to sleep after a long day, but mm -hmm. man, even if it's like a 30-second prayer, man, uh, lay a hand over your wife and pray over her, pray over your family. But men, listen, you initiate that. You initiate it. And can I also just say this? Man, it's important, especially in marriage, you need to create good habits. You need to create good habits, especially when you you know, freshly married. Mm. You, you don't want to be 10 years down the road. You do not want to be 10, down, 10 years down the road and you look back and you see, man, I have, like if you were to take a, you know, get on a whiteboard and kind of tally up how many hours you've spent watching entertainment as to how many hours you've been in the Word together or you've been in prayer together, you've worshiped together, or served the Lord together, whatever. Y'all, it's important. You, you don't want to look, you don't want that, you want yeah, you want to look back and be able to, to say, man, we've spent all the more time with the Lord together. And by the way, don't hear that in any, way, so any form or fashion of like legalism. Man, it's, it's okay to veg out and, you know, watch a movie. It's awesome. It's great. It's a we, great experience. We love Survivor. Any Survivor fans? Oh, Survivor's great. It's we awesome. got one. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> one Survivor fan. Yeah, but, you know, so again, just, I'm just saying create good habits. End of the day, again, men, listen, press in. Press in, initiate. Jesus moved towards us. He initiates. He sacrifices. Jesus went first, and so do we. Husbands, our role is to sacrifice. Our role is to love. And as we operate in these things, God, 
as, as we operate in, these, operate in these God-given roles, rather, we reflect a heart of worship unto God and, and a display of God's covenant through his sacrifice to us. And lastly, when you think of the word marriage, another word you should think of is this. It's the last one. Ready? Mission. Our mission, whether you're married or not married, is to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Y'all listen, as, a Christ, as Christians, our mission is simple. To proclaim the good news of the gospel and to glorify God in all that we do. And listen, you want your spouse to have the same mission as you. Tina and I, we've said this before, but listen, you, who you marry will directly impact your ministry. Who you marry will directly impact your ministry. If you have a spouse that isn't passionate about the things of Christ, then how can you be on one accord? How can you even worship God together, let alone have the overall same mission? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And this ties and relates to marriage as well. I love how John Piper said it. It's on the screen. Check it out. He said, Marriage cannot be a deep union if two people have different supreme treasures. One Christ and another something in creation. If you treasure Jesus and your spouse treasures something else, then how you spend your time, what you put your energy into, um, what you talk about and dream about, the decisions you make, etc., these and the like will be completely different and will cause division. Um, this is why Paul says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And this is why you want to make sure you are married to someone with the same mission because it would be very difficult to be on one accord. Yeah, and even just with that, even if, you, even if both of you believe in Jesus, sometimes decisions can still be difficult, right? Disagree disagreements are going to take place. You will sin against one another. That's right. Even with having the same mission in mind. Hmm. However, when having the same mission in mind and with our hearts fully surrendered to Jesus, we are then able to stay on one accord by the grace of God. Amen. Something else when it comes to our mission that it's honestly vitally and important that you, yeah, that you don't base decisions off of your own comfort in your marriage. Your marriage should not worship at the altar of comfort, but at the altar of the mission of Christ. Yeah. Something Tina and I often and really ask ourselves when it comes to our mission together is this. We ask ourselves this often. We're not just saying this because it sounds pretty. We literally and practically ask this often. Is the good news of the gospel of Jesus worth laying down our own comforts for? Are we trying to build up our own little Jones kingdom or the kingdom of God? I can promise you this. Although marriage is a gift from God, it is temporal. But the kingdom of God is forever. The kingdom of God is forever. Y'all, don't just let comfort, yeah, don't, don't let comfort be the center of your marriage. Don't let, don't let it. There's so many, there's so many different idols that we can talk about and mention that, that uh, it's important and comfort kind of being a core issue there. Don't let comfort be the center of your marriage. If you want a successful and strong and impactful marriage for the kingdom of God, make sure your overall mission with that person is the same. Amen. And I'll just, I just want to quickly add to this when it comes to the comfort uh, topic is Kevin and I 
honestly wouldn't be here in Colorado if we would have stuck with our comfort. When we moved here five years ago from Texas, some of y'all know this, um, but our families in Texas uh, are very cute. Nieces and nephews are in Texas. (laughs) Uh, Our community obviously then was in Texas, and it is way warmer in Texas than it is here. Um, And those are all comfort things. So those things are also really good things. But if we choose to allow um, to be consumed with comfort or want comfort more than we want Jesus or what his plans are for us, we would have stayed there. And, And we've been able to see by God's grace over the last five years, just all the things that he has done in and through one, our marriage, but in and through this church Mm. and in through the people that we've met here and the community that we've made here. And if we would have stuck with our comforts, none of that would have taken place. And so there's a level of like, okay, God, help us to be continually, even now, open handed with what you have in store for us, because it is really, really, really easy to get comfortable. Right. And just to reiterate, y'all, your marriage is not yours. It's yeah. not yours. It's the Lord's. And when you marry, when you, when you marry, when you, be, when you become, when you get in a union, when, when you are in covenant, mm-hmm. everything you have, period, let alone before marriage, but especially when you're married, like uh, when you're married, uh, everything you have is the Lord's. Don't find comfort in your savings account. That's a, that's a very false thing. That's a very trivial thing to find comfort in. Don't find comfort in your house or, or whatever, your 401Ks, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, your marriage and all that you have is the Lord's. And, uh, man, I love how my wife just said that. I mean, open-handedly uh, um, walking in your marriage, being open to what God has for all that you have. Uh, yeah, so amen. Amen. Uh, Everlast... Um, we're, we're going to close here, and obviously we can't talk about all the things right. uh, that go into marriage in one night. Um, we would be here, you know, right. for the next, like, oh. yep. long time. Forever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but we do pray that the things that were shared would help direct you whether you are married or not. Amen. Uh, Everlast, we really do. We want to be a ministry that when it comes to marriage, we know its purpose, right? That it is a covenant. Marriage is designed by God for the display of God. That's right. That God designed marriage with each spouse having their own unique roles. Mm. And marriage should be for both spouses to be on one accord with the same mission, open-handed, in mind, to glorify God in all that we do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.